Hey, welcome to episode number 32 of the Debt-Free Dad podcast. You know, there's been a lot of talk going around about going to a cashless society, but is that necessarily a good thing? Cashless payment options are super convenient for all of us. But listen, if you're living paycheck to paycheck and struggling, you know, these payment options could be making things worse. And today we're going to be talking about that along with some tips to hopefully help you make it better. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Debt-Free Dad Podcast, where we're helping normal, everyday people learn how to save money and kick debt so they can live a happier and stress-free life. Now here's your host, Debt-Free Dad, Brad Nelson. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to today's show. You can find me on Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Instagram. Just search Brad Nelson, Debt-Free Dad, and we would love to connect with you. And I just want to give a huge thank you because I know that this episode is going to be airing in early August. However, we just came off of our summer launch here in July. And for those of you who joined us for our summer launch and workshop, it was absolutely fantastic. We had over 3,600 people involved in that workshop. And uh, lots of those people ended up taking the next step and joining us in Roots Personal Finance. And we are so excited to get kicking off our, our summer session. Uh, so huge thank you to all of our listeners if you participated in that. And again, we remind you, even if you didn't join Roots, the stuff that we shared in that workshop really does work. So, you know, continue to take those steps, continue to work on those budgets, correct that behavior, uh, build those emergency funds, all the stuff that we're talking about here on this podcast and in those workshops. <laughs> It's changing people's lives and it'll change yours as well. So guys, today we're talking a little bit about cashless payments. And there's been a bit of a buzz about this over the last couple of weeks. There's been some talk of coin shortages due to COVID-19. And so it kind of goes hand in hand with this topic today of which one's better. Is it better to use plastic? Is it better to use cash? Are we eventually going to a cashless society? Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about all of those things here on today's show and really kind of how they could and are really affecting your bank account and your personal finances. Now, check this out. I, I recently polled my Facebook group. Actually, I shouldn't say recently. I, this was about a year ago, I think. And it's been a while since we've since we've polled them. But usually I find that the answers are pretty much the same. But we asked them, why did you get your first credit card? And they could choose more than one if they needed to, but the top answer people got their credit card was to build their credit score. And the second one was to buy stuff I didn't have cash for. <laughs> so guys, <laughs> where where would you guys fall in this survey? If if you had a guess or why why did you guys get that first credit card, do you think? Well, I could see my picture there beside to buy stuff I didn't have cash for. <laughs> oh, yeah, you are in there. Yeah, you are in there. I am. I was in college. They were offering it when I walked in the door. I was like, okay, let's yep. do this. I need a computer. Come on. <laughs> yeah, for I mean, for us, it was, I mean, it, you, you go into it with the best of intentions, right? We always do. You know, it's to build a credit score it's so that we can buy a house and so that we can do all these things. But pretty, you know, pretty quickly after you get it, you start realizing that. I don't have to save up for that cool thing I want. I just pay 10 bucks a month for it for the next six years. That sounds like a great <laughs> <Yeah>. idea. <laughs> sounds like a great plan. <laughs> and so then, you, yeah, you end up, I mean, that's what it ended up being. I It's to buy stuff you didn't want, you didn't have cash for that I didn't want to save for because that was going to take too long. Yep. 
I remember I got my first credit card. Obviously, mom talked me into doing this because it's had to build my credit, right? And I was pretty responsible for it out of with it out of the gate. I think most of us are. I mean, nobody signs up for credit cards and we're just like, oh, I can't wait to max these things out, right? Nobody has that intention of ever going into debt like that. But it just happens slowly, one small decision at a time. And uh, I can remember, though, when I got into my early 20s, that's when I really started piling it on. In fact, I... I uh, was going to school for graphic design, and I really wanted to buy myself a new Mac computer. And this is when those, like, the blue ones were out. Like, the they looked like blueberries or I forget what they called them. <laughs> they were iMacs, but I can't remember. I thought they, they actually had a certain name. I can't, I can't remember the name. But I ended up financing that computer on a Sears credit card for 29%. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But you uh, had, I'm sure you had good intention to pay it off. Oh, like, of course I did. I'm going to pay this. Into it. Yeah. yeah, I need this. I need to be a good graphic designer and good graphic designers have really cool stuff like this, right? <laughs> uh, I can't even tell you how many years it took me to pay that thing off. <laughs> so, Could have bought yikes. three of them. Yeah, probably. Easily, easily. So let's talk about it. You know, this whole plastic versus cash debate and it is a debate there this gets pretty heated this is like you know the whole credit score and the new car and i mean this kind of ranks ranks right up there with some of the arguments that people get into about which is better because there's a lot of arguments and pluses and minuses on both sides and um again we're not here really to change your mind uh if if you are using plastic responsibly and and you think that works for you hey keep doing what you're doing but listen if you're using plastic and you're deep into debt and paying credit card interest and all those other stuff then we probably need to rethink some of those things and that's what this kind of podcast episode is really focusing on here and what we want to talk about and you might be thinking well you know why does this even matter aren't we going to a cashless society soon and uh, interesting enough, a couple of weeks ago, I actually had uh, a gentleman reach out, Facebook message, listen to our podcast and, and ask this question. He said, what are your thoughts on this whole going to a cashless society? Do you think that's going to happen? And personally, I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Um, I mean, just looking at some of the statistics, and I'll share those here in a little bit, but if even if you look at a lot of the industries and stuff out there, uh, in fact, I was just reading an article today on USA Today uh, that was talking about the corn, the the corn, the coin shortage, and uh, they referenced in there that the convenience stores, um, it was like a, uh, like the the people that represented the convenience stores, they wrote a letter to the treasury asking them to make more coins because a good majority of customers who shop at convenience stores and gas stations, a, th a third of them use cash. So that's another, you know, that's one example of an industry. You look at service and hospitality industries. You look at giving maybe to your local church or your charity or maybe even local farm stands or something even as easy as, you know, giving your kids a uh, commission or an allowance, whatever you call it in your house and, and, and giving them cash. Or you look at birthday presents. I mean, you just, you look at all of these things and, and, you know, on the surface, yeah, everyone says, well, I don't use cash anymore. But when you actually drill down, there's actually a lot of people still using cash today. Uh, in fact, 14.1 million people are unbanked, meaning that they don't even have a bank account. And these are these are more people who are on the lower income side, uh, more on the uh, obviously on the poor spectrum. So that's an issue. What what are these people going to do? We can't leave these people out in the dark, right? Uh, according to Fortune.com, approximately six and a half percent of U.S. Households, U.S. households are unbanked, according to a national survey of unbanked and underbanked households, meaning they live in a household holding no accounts with formal insured financial institutions. So 
what are your guys' thoughts on this, guys? I mean, when I look at how I handle our finances, I mean, the majority of it is electronic, admittedly. There's, there are some things that we use cash for still because it helps us hold us accountable. But, but I can tell you, when I first started this, when I first started this process, cash was a really good tool to help me change my behaviors. Once my behaviors changed, we could reintroduce the debit card because we were much better at sticking to the budget and the plan that we set out. But at first, we were terrible at it. And, and debit cards and plastic were just making it worse. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's very similar for us. I mean, we we did everything with cash while we were getting out of debt. And we really had to change our behavior before we didn't do that. Um, you know, when you think about cashless society, I mean, I just look at it as I don't do that. I used to, I used to do this a lot when we were in debt. I would do things now because of something that might happen in the future. So it's like, well, I'm going to not use, I'm going to only use credit because we might go to cashless. Well, great. But right now we're not, <laughs> we're not a cashless society. And even if the government were to say today that we're going to be, that's going to take years to phase out. It's right. not going to like, they're going to flip a switch and tomorrow suddenly everything's going to be cashless. So I think, um, you know, when you think about it, you just kind of have to look at it and say, what's the reality of it. And even if they were to do that, it's a, a year, probably multi-year process. And you know, you just don't necessarily want to do something because one day that might happen. It might, but we don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't see us going cashless. Um, just the other day I use cash. I don't use cash very often, but I go to the farmer's market all the time. And most of them vendors do not take a debit card, credit card or anything. Um, but when I was getting out of debt, it was mostly debit cards. I didn't really, I don't really play with cash that much. Um, I don't like the hassle of it, but I, I don't see going cashless at all. Yeah. Well, at least not anytime soon. I don't know. I, I mean, is it unreasonable to think that we could get there one day? I don't think it's unreasonable. Hopefully, I won't be alive anymore. But, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, I won't have to deal with it then. <laughs> right. But, but you know, one day, one day we could get there. But I think, you know, for, for people to say, oh, I'm not going to, like Ryan said, I'm not going to use cash because it's eventually going to get there. I, right now, I would still use it. I would use it as a tool. Now, again, with COVID and everything happening, obviously, we've got to be a little understanding that not everyone's accepting cash. But eventually, that's going to go away. And Things are going to get back to normal where cash will be accepted. So uh, I think, you know, it's something to keep in mind. And I think some, using some of these cashless payment options is is okay. But today what I want to talk about a little bit is why some of these things could be hurting you. And mostly as it relates to using plastic, credit cards, your phone, things like that. So when it comes to using credit cards or even debit cards or uh, uh, cardless pay options like your phone, uh, you really have to ask your question yourself the question of do you have the discipline to actually pay that way and use that payment method. And, and most people don't if you look at some of the numbers. In fact, I want to re go through some of the statistics here. McDonald's actually reported that their average transaction rose from $4.50 to $7 when customers started using credit cards. This is when McDonald's changed over from using cash, and I think they were taking checks maybe, and they started accepting plastic. $4.50 to $7. So if you think about that, if people are overspending at just McDonald's, is it likely that they're overspending on other purchases? Well, heck yes, right? We all know that that's happening. And check out what MasterCard has to say about accepting accepting contactless payment methods. And that's what a lot of people are using right now because of COVID, because we don't want to touch anything. But listen to this. Contactless payment methods like Apple Pay, Google Pay, I mean, you can have any credit card now connected to your, I mean, basically you can pay just with your phone now. This is what they say. MasterCard's website, 
On average, MasterCard contactless active accounts demonstrate a higher average spend per account than non-contactless active accounts. So the actual company is saying that people are statistically spending more money and putting more on their charge cards when they use a cardless pay option. Guys, we don't need any more freaking proof than this, I don't think, right? Well, and it's funny because, I mean, so this is, it's it's very interesting. It's an interesting statistic in the fact that, um, you know, I think if you look at that, they're saying that if you have a MasterCard, you're going to spend more than if you did with cash. But if you go contactless, you're going to spend more than what you did with just your card or cash. So you'll actually spend, so... And it's funny because we, I take the kids, Dave and Buster's, we've taken them there and they've made it very similar now where you can do everything on your phone, all the, all your money on your phone, all the pay for the games is on your phone. And it's, they've separated the emotion of handing over money for something. And it's just, you just push a button and you reload it and you just, there's no connection of what you're spending. Um, because it's just so easy to just hit a button and you just keep doing it. And holy cow, I can't believe I spent that much. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that story coming from spouses and they say that their partner spent hundreds of dollars like on an app on their phone because it was like a dollar here or two dollars there. And before you know it, they've spent hundreds of dollars on on just a game or an app on their phone without even really, again, having any connection with it. Because again, it's, what do we say? It's only a dollar and you don't really feel that money leaving your hand. Absolutely. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. It's like Amazon, really. I have, I have, you have a card connected to your Amazon. It's really easy to go, ooh, I need that. And then just click. I've accidentally ordered stuff because it's so easy to click through and go order instead of going through and I just want to see how much it was. And all of a sudden I have to cancel my order because yeah. I'm like, oh, I just ordered that because my car's connected to my Amazon and I have to cancel it. It's really easy to have that contact free, not even think about it. And all of a sudden you have stuff ordered and sent to your house. Yep. Totally. I want to share this study too. This one always fascinates me. I love this one. Here's a little science behind this. Science has actually produced several studies that actually raised my eyebrows on the use of credit cards. George Lowenstein, a Carnegie Mellon professor of social and decision sciences and co-author of a paper found in the Journal of Neuron, states this. He says, credit cards effectively anesthetize the pain of pain. He says, you swipe the card and it doesn't feel like you're really giving anything up to make that purchase. Unlike paying cash where you have to have a handover real bills. And there's really two words in that quote that I really want you to think about, anesthetize and pain. Now, anesthetize means to administer an anesthetic to numb pain, like when you have surgery or when you go to the dentist. Pain, because Lowenstein's study, he set out to see if the pain sensors in the brain would activate when a person would see prices. And they found that the insula activation actually discouraged spending. And here's what he had to say. He says, We were so excited when we got the results from the first scans and saw that the insula, a section of the brain associated with pain processing, actually activated when subjects saw prices that were too high. So if you think about that whole thing that I just said, so let's unpack that a little bit. Again, credit cards, they've proven anesthetized the pain, meaning you don't feel the pain maybe at all, or maybe it's just lessened. And our brain naturally associates pain with high prices. It activates insula. So essentially what's happening is when you use a credit card, you are basically cutting off those sensors to your brain and you're not feeling those purchases very much like Amber said about Amazon. So if you think about all of these things, 
it's amazing to me how people can still come and say and use the argument that I absolutely stay on budget and I'd never overspend because science is just saying they're finding that that's not the case and that's not happening. The credit card companies are coming out and saying that's not happening. So all of these things I think are just, it's just too much for me to think that maybe going towards credit cards or or using plastic on a regular basis is is a good thing, especially if you're someone who is living paycheck to paycheck and, and really struggling with some of the concepts and things that we're sharing here. I think that's an important piece of this. I mean, and I think you said it at the beginning of the show, um, this is a contentious subject with people. There's people that are going to jump on and say, I've used credit cards my whole life. I've never had a problem. I've always paid it off. But the fact is, you know, 78 79% of people is who we're talking to, <laughs> you know, yeah, there's 20% of people who do well and, you know, we're not here to convince you otherwise. Um, but for most people, uh, that's who this is for. So the other thing you got to keep in mind too, is when you use some of these uh, products like credit cards, debit cards, uh, some of these can be more expensive. There are fees. Uh, you also have to worry about, you know, is one safer than the other? Uh, you know, versus, you know, credit cards or or debit cards or cash. When it comes to safer, as far as behavior, debit cards are definitely safer in the sense that they it's easier to, I, I think, to hold yourself accountable more because there is an end to the money in that account, right? You can only put so much money on there before you can't spend anything. So that's one thing that I like about it. All right. But the one thing I don't like about debit cards and what a lot of my members struggle with when it comes to when it comes when they come into roots is overdraft fees. And I think we've mentioned this statistic on this podcast before. But if you're not paying attention to that bank account and you're swiping too much and all of a sudden you have overdraft fees coming in, banks made over thirty four billion dollars in overdraft fees in 2017, according to a market research. Uh, Is that Moab service? Moab service. Yeah. And. That's crazy. $34 billion in overdraft fees in 2017 for simply just not paying attention. In fact, I've read articles recently that state that overdraft fees are going to be definitely on the rise because of uh, COVID. A lot of people, you know, you lost your paychecks or uh, money's getting tight. Things aren't getting paid. Things are getting overdrafted, you know, and all of a sudden these things become more expensive because you're using some of these products. So these are things, some definitely some things that you want to watch out for. This is one that's celebrated a lot in Roots I've seen is no overdraft fees this month. No overdraft fees this month. It's a super big celebration because you're finally getting that behavior and your finances in check. So yeah, these overdraft fees are crazy. There might be people being, you know, saying, well, I can't use a debit card now. No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> we're, we're just saying that I, I want you to be careful with it because again, if you're one of these individuals that's living paycheck to paycheck, you're struggling with saving, you're struggling with debt, a debit card may not be helping you in a lot of cases. So what can you do differently in order to fix that and change that? And one of the coolest tools that I think you can use is starting using more cash and and having a working budget, which we talk about a lot on the show. We mentioned fees and both credit cards and debit cards are going to come with fees. So on the bank side, you really want to make sure that you're careful with, you know, minimum balance fees and all of those types of fees that go along with your bank account. So when you have a bank account, when you open a bank account, or if you've had a bank account for a while, make sure you're checking the fees on that bank account. I like to bank for free. (laughs) Essentially, I do. I don't really pay any money to really bank because I don't get charged really any fees because I know the fees that could be charged and I just stay away from those. 
So you want to try to have that mentality when it comes to banking, when it comes to your money in that bank. You don't want to be inundated with fees. Again, the financial industry is out to make a profit. They're out to make money. And that's how they do it at banks is with fees and interest rates and borrowing and lending and those types of things. So you really want to be careful when it comes to those fees. When it comes to your credit cards, obviously they come with a slew of fees. All right. For most of us, if you have revolving credit card debt, the biggest fee of all that you're paying is interest. According to magnifymoney.com, Americans are paying over $100 billion in credit card interest and fees. $100 billion. That is unbelievable. And even if you don't really carry a high buy balance, it's likely that you're wasting hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars on interest on some of these products if you're not careful. So again, are you really winning at the game by continuing to use those credit cards? Others, other fees are like cash advance fees, uh, annual fees, and you know, obviously balance transfer fees. If you take, you know, again, if you're taking money out and moving things around, they charge fees for everything. So you really got to be careful with those. You got to be careful with those annual, the annual fees, uh, especially if your credit card is near its limit, because I, it happened to me, I got charged that annual fee and then all of a sudden it bumped me over my limit and I got charged a fee for going over my limit. Uh, and then all did the they interest, really? It, oh, it hurts so bad. I was calling them. I was like crying. Like, you got to do something. I can't handle this. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Yeah. And you also have to consider, especially if you're, you know, living that paycheck to paycheck and you're struggling, um, late fees. And then once late fees hit, you know, it's like a lot of people, I mean, I, I remember falling into, Oh, 0%. I'm going to do a 0% interest credit card. Um, just be late one month on a 0% interest in credit card and see what happens. And you're, they will jack your rate to 20% in a blink of an eye. And uh, I, I think a lot of people forget about that. They do it with the best of intentions, but then you end up with a late fee and then you're paying maybe double the percentage of maybe what you were paying before you moved it. Right. So guys, what about what about the rewards though? I like the rewards. Seriously, come on. What you, what? <laughs> I love the rewards. I get so many great rewards. I get all these perks. Like I love those travel reward cards. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't paying off when I was paying all that interest. Right. <laughs> um, I, so it's just funny. So for me, I mean, you look, got to look at reward. You got to look at the credit card companies and just think kind of through like, why would a company give away stuff for free to you? You know, why would they do that? Because you it's know, so nice, Ryan. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And again, for the 20, 20% of people who are doing this and getting rewards and getting free flights and you pay your stuff off every month, I don't really care what you're doing. But for the most of everyone else, if you're trying to earn airplane rewards by spending on your credit card and then you're paying them interest, you're basically just paying for your, you're paying for your flight anyway. Like yeah, right. they're not, the credit cards are not in the business of giving away free stuff to you for using their credit cards. They know darn what they're getting that stuff. They're just making money hand over fist. They're going to probably make three times what they made by giving you those, that free airplane ticket. They're going to make three times the money on you. Right. Just by you paying interest. Yeah. And, and again, like Ryan said, if, if you're doing this and you're, you don't have revolving credit card debt and you're paying it off every month, Hey, you're, that's a game you're winning at probably. But for the majority of people out there, they're they're not winning; they're losing. And and I'll get in this, you know, I'll get in these debates with people. Now I don't try to get into them anymore because 
it just doesn't make any sense in a lot of cases because you know what I'll t- what I'll tend to find out is they'll they'll make their point about the credit cards and rewards and I get it I get it because I used to have the same mindset but then I asked them how much credit card debt you have oh well I, I do have some credit card debt well yeah so you're not playing the game right you're right. losing right now it, it's all great it all sounds great but are you really doing it is the question and and most people just aren't winning that game. And, and they're trying to, they're trying to play the game, but they're, they're losing badly. So the other question I have for you guys too, is cause there's, there's this other debate out there where, you know, people say credit cards are more secure than say debit cards and obviously cash. Right. But how do you guys feel about this argument out there that credit cards are, are more secure than debit cards? I, I, I know how I feel, but what, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I don't think anything's secure right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got to be keeping your eye on everything because I don't think anything's secure at all right now. And it's easy. You just go shop at a store with a credit card and somebody could have your number. Like it's, yeah, I don't know. But I think it's more along the lines of after that happens, like let's say someone does get your number. Let's say your account is compromised. I understand the argument with the credit cards. Obviously if they do compromise your credit card, they're technically not really taking any of your money They're They're really just, you know, putting debt on the credit card. And if you can prove that obviously it was fraud, you know, that money would be put right back on your card and, and you keep living your life. When it comes to your debit card, you know, now if that money gets stolen, that that's money coming directly out of your account. And, and I can definitely see how that can cause uh, somewhat of a mess. So I, I mean, I can definitely appreciate the argument. There's no question. Yeah, I think, yeah, this, I mean, this was harder for us at the beginning you know, and when we were trying to get out of debt, um, we were never comfortable giving our debit card because we had no money. We didn't like if something did get compromised and they took every, like we just didn't have any, we didn't have anything to cover. You know, we right. would have had no, we, it's like, yes, like we've had our uh, debit card compromised a couple of times. We've actually had money taken out of our account a couple of times, but it was after we'd been on the road for a long time and the money that was taken out was like, Oh, it's not a big deal. We'll just move some money over. No big deal. But to other people going through it, if you had two, three, $400, leave your account unexpectedly, that can cause some serious problems. So for us, we were probably more like, eh, I don't know if I'd give my debit card now that we're debt free and we have kind of protections and we have savings and we have things taken care of. We don't really have that same fear as we once did. Right. We're in the same, we're in the same boat, like in the sense of we've had our, uh, a lot of our accounts compromised, honestly, our personal account, my wife's account, like in her business, she has a debit card in her business. We don't use credit, even our businesses either. Um, she, she has a, uh, an account there and her account has been compromised at least like six times now in the last couple of years. Crazy. And we think it's coming from PayPal. That's where we think they're getting into it. But at the same time, when I've had it happen, I've gone to the bank, I've filed all the paperwork, and within a couple of days, the amount of money that was taken from the account has been replaced. Um, so I can understand back in the day when I was getting out of debt, that would have caused some issues because obviously if they took money out and now there's not money there to cover the electric bill and stuff like that, I, I get the argument. But now that I'm debt-free, I don't need to worry about that too much because again, if money gets compromised out of an account, we can easily switch accounts to do something else, move money over, close the debit card that got compromised, uh, and and life goes on. And that's what I've done now for the last 10 years. And I haven't really noticed any major security issues other than your account being compromised once in a while. Um, so 
for me to sit there and say that I'm going to use credit cards solely just for that reason, I, I just don't think it holds enough water for me to say that credit cards need to be in my life for that reason. Because again, for the last decade, I've been doing it, had my account compromised and fixed it pretty easily without much stress. And, um, I didn't see much of a hiccup there. It'd be interesting to unpack that a little bit more. And it's just something I, you know, I, I probably don't, I probably don't have the exact answer to this, but I'd be interested. I guess I'd be interested as we talk through this more, or if we, you know, spent some more time unpacking that, or if some of our listeners have some thoughts on this too. Um, I just curious, like where, you know, I mean, you kind of think about debt as a whole. We've talked a lot about like understanding how debt things you've learned, how, what, you know, where have you learned them? I'd be curious if a lot of this more secure idea has kind of been kind of implanted in us a little bit, you know, right? like you almost like wonder of where did that come from? Was yeah. it more like, oh, it's secure <laughs> credit card companies. It's more secure, more secure. So everyone just thinks, hey, it's secure. Right. It's more secure than a debit card because that's what I've learned. And it's funny that you bring that up because when I, I remember I went into the bank and, and talked to the banker because I had to go in and do the paperwork and stuff. And, and I asked him and I said, you know, why why is it that you guys keep saying that credit cards are more secure? Because, I mean, I, I come in here, I do this and uh, my money's back in the account. And, and he's just like, well, it is it is just more secure for basically the same reasons that I pointed out. And that, you know, if the money gets taken, it just gets taken off of a credit card, not necessarily the account itself. And um and that's the only reason that he could come up with. So if you're financially in a good spot where you can cover any sort of loss that might happen temporarily, I just don't see, for me personally, for you guys out there, it might be different. You might decide to do this. But for me, it doesn't hold enough. That argument doesn't hold enough water for me to say, yes, I need to have a credit card in my life just for that reason. So last two statistics we want to share here before uh, we move on to celebrations is if you really are playing this credit card game, you really want to ask yourself, are you winning at it? Because here are two scary statistics. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, roughly 62.4% of American adults carry credit card debt balances. 62.4%. That's a lot of people. And according to NerdWallet.com, the total owed by average U.S. households carrying credit card debt is $15,482. That's a lot of credit card debt. So... Our argument here is not necessarily to force you to change your ways, but if you're living paycheck to paycheck, if you're struggling with saving money, if you're struggling with sticking to a budget, if you're financially stressed out, maybe it's time to start using cash. Maybe it's time to get on a budget and put this plastic in these cardless pay options away for a little while. You don't have to give them up for the rest of your life. But I think we got to get some things figured out here and we got to start correcting our behaviors. And then once those things are online, maybe you can start reintroducing some of these things back into your life. Hey, if you love planners, this is for you. But do you know why planners frustrate me though? Because they only get it half right. Now, sure, they're really fancy at helping you manage your time, which is really important. But where they get it wrong is money. Most planners don't include any financial planning. Things like keeping track of paydays, bills and due dates, spending, yearly expenses, budgets, cash flow planning, debt elimination plans, goal planning. And that's a real pain. Then you've got to go and create your own. And who's got time for all of that? So instead, what happens? Nothing. We ignore our finances even more and things only get worse. Well, that all ends right now today. I am so excited to announce the release of our brand new, totally awesome debt freedom planner. Now, before you say, Brad, I've already got a planner. Well, this is not your ordinary day planner. 
This debt freedom planner is a companion tool that works with your day planner to help you save more money, pay off more debt, and melt away financial stress. This is literally the tool that we've all been waiting for that works with your planner to help you take control of your money. So head on over to therealdebtfreedad.com. Click on the Debt Freedom Planner in the menu to get all the details to order your very own Debt Freedom Planner today. Hey, hey, what's this I see? I thought this was a party. Let's All right, all right. That sound means, sorry, I forgot to hit the button. <laughs> that sound means it's time for the celebrations of the show. And we have a huge celebration on this show. We just welcomed 117 brand new members into Roots of Personal Finance. Guys, that's really exciting. Biggest registration we've ever had. It's pretty awesome. It's super yeah, exciting. Fantastic. Super awesome. excited. All right, we're going to kick it off with Ashley. Ashley says, I literally just signed up for Roots last week and already have payment arrangements set up with all of our credit cards. I have $500 set aside in an emergency fund and $100 in my savings account. Awesome job, Ashley. Kelsey Evie said no to ordering lunch with coworkers and just eating at home. Uh, Sandra Simmons paid an extra $300 to my truck payment and $500 more to our emergency fund. Awesome. Way to go, Sandra. Uh, Carrie Brogan paid off my first credit card and added another $100 to my emergency fund. Way to go. Diana Lopez finally paid off my Kohl's credit card this week. And now on to the next. That is awesome. By the way, uh, I have to tell this story one time. I won't tell it today. I was in a Kohl's credit building one time. Um, it was the most fascinating thing I've ever seen. It was like, they had like a giant scoreboard in the middle of the room. Like, it it was crazy intense. If you don't think that these department stores and these companies are making money off of credit cards, man, I could not believe the amount of people that they had in this building that was just for their credit card. It was, it was unbelievable. So congratulations to her for kicking those people to the curb. Uh, and Chandra Harper made another $5,000 payment on her house this week. Only $12,800 to go. So close. I can almost taste it. Awesome. Way to go, Chandra. Congratulations to you. Imagine that. A paid for house. And she yeah, did update crazy. me. It is it's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. I mean, and so it's funny because I, I mean, this, so we got out of debt in January. And so my wife and I've really been talking a lot about what's our next step. What do we want to do? And so... Chandra, I mean, it's just, it's motivating to me because it's, it's the next big thing we really want to tackle after we do some kind of updates to the house that need to be done. But to see that, it's like, oh, I, I we want that. Yeah. <laughs> and she's debt free besides that. Yeah. She has awesome. no other debt. This is the only debt that she has left. She can be completely, completely debt free. It's so exciting. I can't wait to hear that celebration. I remember having a conversation with Chandra about this a little over, it's like a year ago about this. And uh, it's so, it's so cool to see her uh, approaching that milestone. That's awesome. So guys, thanks for hanging out with us here today. We love your feedback and it also helps us grow our podcast. So please leave us an honest review on Apple podcast. We read every single one of those. And as you know, the debt-free dad podcast is here to help you live a happier and stress-free financial life. So if you know someone who could benefit from our show, please give us a share. We appreciate you and we will see you on an upcoming episode of the show. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Debt-Free Dad Podcast. 
for more free resources to kick debt and financial stress, head over to therealdebtfreedad.com. 